Well, we know that Martha passed Sunday school or Sabbath school or whatever it would have been at the time. Martha gave the correct answer to Jesus' declaration that Lazarus would rise from the dead. See, she said, I know, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She did not find Jesus' reminder of the doctrine of the resurrection to be particularly comforting. What she wanted to know was that Jesus was going to raise him right then and there. And so when he said, your brother will rise again, she didn't know what he was going to do. In fact, she was mad that he hadn't come earlier to make sure he didn't die in the first place. But she said, I know. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Where did she get this idea? Well, she got this idea from Torah and from the prophets and from the writings. And we find in the later parts of the Old Testament a a crystallization, a distillation of this idea that the time will come, that there will be a resurrection In the book of Daniel, we read that at that time, speaking of the end times, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations till then, but at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life some others to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The idea was that there would come a time when God would raise all. Some would go to be delivered and would go to everlasting bliss others to shame and everlasting contempt. But this was firmly understood in the minds of Jews of Jesus' day to be something that would come in the last day. If you go to a synagogue, our Jewish friends pray in the 18 benedictions, the Amidah, the Shemone Esra, a blessing upon God who raises the dead. Now, more progressive Jewish traditions that get softened to, blessed be you, O Lord, our God, the King of the universe, who brings to life that which is nothing. But the, the language in the Hebrew, in this prayer very likely goes all the way back to the first century at least, speaks to Techiat Hametim, the resurrection of the dead. And a devout Jew will pray that prayer four times a day. That's why Ezekiel's picture in chapter 37 is so powerful. Now, I think what Ezekiel is talking about here is not so much the future resurrection of the dead. He's talking about just how dramatic a thing it will be when God brings the nation of Israel back together. Ezekiel giving this prophecy some 350 years after a tax revolt led to a civil war and the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel were divided sometimes fighting against each other, sometimes fighting with each other, but against other people, but 
always divided. And so when Ezekiel is led by the Spirit of Yahweh in this valley full of bones, those bones are very dry. Those bones have absolutely nothing in them that would enable them to come back together. Only God has the power to bring life out of what is dead, which is why it's almost like God is trolling Ezekiel. Ezekiel and God had kind of a special relationship. You, you get the sense that Ezekiel was punch drunk half the time being Yahweh's prophet. When he said, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel's like, what, you're asking me? <laughs> but this picture of the resurrection of these bones, these bones coming together is one that makes sense because everybody knows that dead things stay dead, that bones that are dried out are going to stay that way. The burial practices in Jesus' day uh, would have been, as we read about in the story of Lazarus, that Lazarus, that a person who has died would be wrapped in, in grave clothes, would probably have spices packed around the body, and would be placed in a tomb, in a cave. Basically, you'd be placed on a shelf, and a stone would be rolled in front of that, and over the next year, the body would decompose. So that a year later, on the anniversary of the person's death, the loved ones would come back and gather up the bones, which is all that would be left at that point, and put them in an ossuary, a bone box. And you might keep that in a, in a special place in, in, uh, the, in the garden or in the family home. But, but you knew that a body placed in a tomb only comes out as bones. In fact, that's the only way you want it to come out. When Jesus said, well, roll away the stone, Mary's like, um, he's been in there for four days. In the, uh, Martha, that is, in the, in the King James, I love the translation, she says, Lord, he stinketh. And so when they rolled away the stone, and he didn't stinketh. That's when Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Jesus had prayed that Lazarus would be preserved, that he would be able to bring him back from the dead. No, the, the fact is, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Yes, we have a hope for a future resurrection. And that will come at the last day when he will raise us up. But what Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans is that there's a way in which that resurrection is something that we can begin to experience now. Our sure hope of the resurrection in the future enables us to live resurrection lives in the present. He says, if Christ is in you, Sure, your body's dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's not your righteousness. That's not anything that you've managed to pull off by being really, really good. No, it's Christ's righteousness that is now available to you. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead 
will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. And therefore, Paul says, we have an obligation. Our obligation is not to the flesh, not to our sinful nature, to live according to it. After all, if we live according to the flesh, we'll die. But if by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body, we will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In his first letter to the Corinthians, which Paul had written a few years earlier, he has that magnificent 15th chapter where he talks all about the resurrection and having laid out so clearly and so joyfully and so hopefully this doctrine of the resurrection, this declaration of the sure hope we have when Paul says, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The corruptible must put on incorruption and the mortal immortality. When the corruptible has been clothed with the incorruptible, the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Then will be vindicated Paul's declaration that that last enemy to be destroyed is death. Then will be vindicated Jesus' declaration, I am the resurrection and the life. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in light of this, Paul says, after 57 verses of declaring the resurrection and what that means, he says, therefore, in light of this, knowing that we have a hope of resurrection in the future, a bodily resurrection, a future where we will have bodies that are not susceptible to disease or to injury. Because we have this hope, Paul says, stand firm. Don't let anything move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. All the things that we do now by the power of the Spirit in anticipation of the future resurrection, living now in part what we will one day know in full, living that resurrection life, it's not in vain. It's all part of what God is doing. Because if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, and he is, my brothers and sisters, he is, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in and among us. Amen.